0: This week on VMworld 2021, the Virtually Speaking podcast has grabbed several industry experts to discuss their respective products, VMware announcements, and some sessions to look out for. We're calling them VChats, and we'll be releasing them all week. Let's do this. You're going to learn today. Oh, yeah. On this episode, it's all about VMware Cloud on AWS, as we welcome back VMware Cloud product manager and close friend of the show, Glenn Sizemore. Enjoy. Glenn Sizemore, how you doing, sir? Eat, Fletcher. I'm doing good, buddy. How you guys doing? Good to be doing back well. in the show. Meet
1: with the old squad.
0: Oh yeah. Welcome back, man. It's like you never left, my friend. Uh, sometimes I wish that was true. <laughs> awesome. Well, Glenn, you've been focusing on VMware Cloud for, for a while, with some tech marketing, now product marketing, lots going on there. So I am super excited to get the update. There's always changes there. But man, I know if I'm going to learn anything about VMC on AWS, it's going to come from my, my good friend, Glenn. So Glenn, give us the skinny. What is happening at VMworld? Oh, dude.
1: Yeah, no, it's it's kind of crazy. Um, the reality is I can't actually tell you everything that we're doing because VMware Cloud has now, it's, it's expanded on two dimensions. Uh, Both the the first party offers what we manage from a VMware perspective and the various different services and functionalities that we've tied together in a a, a SaaS basis is kind of insane. Uh, The amount of things that are available under the the VMware Cloud Services portal uh, and under that that single uh, management and support model. And then at the same time, we've been branching out beyond just VMware Managed, right? We've taken these very same foundations uh, and we've been going out to go back build this true multi-cloud experience that spans. At this point, we've got uh, support at, uh, let's see, it's AWS, yeah. uh, Azure, Google Cloud, the IBM Cloud, the Oracle Cloud, the Alibaba Cloud, and then twelve hundred some odd VCPV partners, as well as now local clouds, and it's a lot of it clouds. just keeps going. Yeah, no, we're, we're we'll get on some of it later today, but I think the probably the easiest way to kind of go through this is to start with the the original OG VMware managed and in, in my my baby my day to day obsession, which
0: is VMware Cloud and AWS. Oh yeah, that was the uh, that was the, bit, the first big one, right? Yeah, yeah. No, we're
1: we're coming up on almost five years of operation uh, at this point. So it's it's kind of crazy uh, how long the the service has has been out there and the the customer basis at this point. Uh, our node count globally distributed just. The, we, we are truly a cloud scale operator uh, and have a substantial amount of our customers under our thumb and are responsible for them and you know honestly the, the, the number one thing that I would highlight is you know the, in the past couple of days there have been a number of announcements and emails about various different things that needed to be patched and issues that that uh, you had to worry about and if you were a VMware cloud and AWS customer, the email that you got said today we announced XYZ issue. it's already been dealt with you're safe. Nice. (laughs) That is the top line number one thing to know about these managed offers is it is a force multiplier none of our customers had to think about any of this stuff. They focused on their workload. Mm-hmm. If they had any concerns with the core platform, they address that by yelling at their customer success representative and letting them know where, where they think that the, the service is, is letting them down. And then, you know, on the product management side, we take those, those uh, issues and we stack rank them, figure out how we're going to fix them and we go address them, right? So it just, it allows you to operate at a much different level. The the analogy uh, that, that you know, it's, it's kind of tired at this point, but the one that I keep bringing up because I think it's the most relevant, is, you know, if you go back to the 1930s, you know, when, when everybody was transitioning from, you know, horse drawn to, to vehicular, you know, you had to have a mechanic, right? Yeah. yeah. If you wanted to have a truck, you employed a mechanic because, and and you also employed, you know, a driver and a bunch of other logistics support. There was a lot of people associated with that truck. If you go talk to a modern company, they are leasing a vehicle. They don't do any of that crap. Mm-hmm. They don't even think about it, right? They just call the dealer, hey, uh, it's making a noise fix it. <laughs> yeah. In a way, that is what VMware Cloud is. We we are the the lease agreement for infrastructure IT at a global scale. You want to have a point of presence in, you know, wherever, you know, in, in London, over in, in Milan, you know, down in uh, Sydney, right? All you got to do is click a button and within 90 minutes... We're on the we're on, you know, the the bill and responsible for making sure that that environment stays up and stays
0: stable. Yeah. I mean, John and I were just talking about this the other day. It's like years ago, the cloud service model seemed almost like uh, complicated uh, and almost like, is this the right way? You know, and I knew VMware was going that way. And I I, I always wondered, would this ever replace on premises or not? You know, and, uh, you know, nowadays, I, I really I, I don't think cloud services is going Anywhere. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, d- the, this, yeah, no. The services model is definitely where we're headed. Now we'll we'll
1: get to this in a little bit, but that doesn't mean you're gonna operate in a hyperscaler. That doesn't mean you're not gonna own servers. That doesn't mean you don't have a comms closet. Yeah. Right. But it does mean that the days of needing to, you know, have a bunch of specialists that focused on individual components, they're not really that much longer. Like if if, if your job is just managing one switch, you really need to start looking. You need to get busy. <laughs> yeah. Right. Uh, if your job is managing the application that your business is running on, fantastic, right? And more importantly, you don't have to worry about any of that other stuff, right? All of your time goes towards that thing that actually matters—the thing that people actually care about. Yeah, right. It's it's in a lot of ways, it's funny. It's transitioned uh, how w- when I meet with a lot of customers these days, particularly like IT directors and 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 CTOs and above, um, they don't look at IT as a cost center anymore because they're not doing all that boring stuff. They've mm-hmm. just offloaded. A lot of them have just offloaded that stuff. And and for us, this has really been kind of the driver for a lot of our initiatives in the work that we've been doing this year. Um, because, you know, at this point, as I said, you know, we've got a long running history. We've got a lot of customers, you know, massive banks, huge uh, uh, uh educational institutions power and energy just about every sector you could imagine healthcare you know they're they're all right there but where we haven't really uh, expanded yet and and really solved a lot of those problems are in the smaller deployments it's it's in it's in more of the mom-and pops the commercial shops where uh, traditionally like you just buy a couple of B-Sphere hosts and connect it to like a nimble or something right mm-hmm. those guys are still living in a world where they're managing everything and oh, okay. and it's largely just because traditionally these infrastructures they were just too big we didn't have a entry point that would support them. So one of the first things that that uh, I shipped when I came on board and, and switched from tech marketing to product management was expanded two-host support. Oh, yeah. So so now we, we uh, support two-host clusters using both our i3 and i3EN metal instances in VMware Cloud and AWS. That's supported as a Primary cluster, so the only cluster in your STDC, or you can choose to just add a secondary cluster right into an existing STDC. So you know if you got an existing cluster, it's doing good, but you you want to maybe you want to move an Oracle rack workload up, but you don't want to have to license every single core in that Joker, right? Yeah. You could stand up a little secondary cluster and and restrict the the CPUs cores uh, from from the full you know 36 or 96 down to you know maybe 16, uh, and and help kind of control your costs in that way. So so it expands what that's available uh, in, a, in a solutions perspective and what customers can do and think about when it comes to moving their services into a managed offer like this.
2: I feel like this transition is something that everyone's kind of had to adopt at their own speed and pace, though. It's something that, you know, when you start out, um, I feel like a lot of people have a knee jerk reaction against subscription costs or are committing to operational costs because of concerns about, well, the business budget goes ups and downs. But the one thing that kind of, I guess it clicked for me to just go in and embrace um, service consumption model was the phone bill. Like when you know when business is bad or good, people may or may not buy you more servers, but everyone always pays their phone bill. They always pay the ISP bill. Like no one, they may get angry about it. They may try to find a cheaper place to to do it, but they still pay an opex bill. Yeah. And more often than not, you just kind of like, okay, maybe we need to drop some cell phones on this plan, or why is there still a you know an MPLS circuit there, you know? But you don't you just keep paying the phone bill and as an IT person who's having to fight for budget if you can make more things like the phone bill assuming there are things that actually are needed to run the business it's not some you know random devops project that you know isn't in use then yeah go shut that down Um, Although I guess that even makes the case further for operational costs because if something truly is being just silly and wasteful, you can just go delete it versus you can't go return a server that was purchased six months ago. I I feel like this is a journey people have had to get their heads around, but once you understand it, it kind of clicks and it helps.
1: It it really depends on where you sit in your organization, right? If if you spend all your day driving the infrastructure manually being the guy who deals with this, then a lot of this stuff sounds scary because it sounds like it's coming for you. But the reality is it's, it's pushing you away from the parts that nobody cares about. And encouraging you to actually go focus on the things that people do care about. Mm-hmm. And to yeah. your point about flexibility, you know, we, uh, we've got a lot of things that we did this year to make it easier for customers to not have to to, to make those decisions upfront. We launched our flexible subscription support. This is uh, a, an instance where when you buy a a uh, long term commitment to an instance, you get you get a price discount, right? Uh, instead of paying hourly on demand, if if you tell us you're going to use an instance for one or three years, then you get a pretty substantial. Per- a discount on what you're going to pay on the hardware. It's largely because AWS gives us a pretty substantial discount, right? We're just passing through the savings that we get by being able to commit to a long-term uh, arrangement. But with a flexible subscription, you can put a tiny uplift on it. I think it's like 20% uh, or up to 20%. And, and what that does is it now, even though you've locked into that long-term deal, if you change your mind and you don't, you don't want it, You can just stop, right? If you deploy I3 and you get halfway in and you go, man, you know, actually, we want to move some of these big data storage capacity or I want access to those newer CPUs, Uh, you can just... Redeploy your cluster is an i3EN and we just roll everything over so you don't lose anything. You're not locked into anything. You don't make any commitment. If we launch a new instance six months from now, you can instantly just redeploy your STDC or or do an in-place conversion, right? So it really does give customers the flexibility to kind of move with their business instead of having to you know predict this stuff which you know a, a lot of a lot of them still prefer the predictive method just because it's how we've always done things right 25 plus years it's always been where am i going to be 5 years from now how much mm-hmm. stuff do i need cuz i need to to know that right now so i can go buy all the right stuff cuz i'm not going to get money again for 5 years that's yeah. just how this works where uh, n- now it's more of a world where you're buying tokens you know, and, and with our VMware Cloud Universal program, that's exactly what this is. Like you, don't, you don't buy a product, you buy a token. Hmm. And that fungible token can be used to, to, to purchase a variety of services. Uh, I think as of today, we support uh, VCF, so VMware Cloud Foundation subscription. You know, if you just decide that, that you want to deploy some VCF on-premises, if you've got some VMware Cloud Universal uh, uh, tokens, if you will, it's not actually what they're called, but it's what I call them.
0: I like it. <laughs> it, it makes <laughs> sense to me. Coupons, coupons. Yeah. You know, yeah. You can just turn it on and download the, the product get and get going. Yeah.
2: So we've talked a bit about, I guess, more of the business aspects. Let's get back to the, the tech. Are there any specific product announcements you want to drill into?
1: Well, I mean, the number one thing uh, this week at VMworld, you know, as we're talking about the, this fungibility in the future of the cloud is the fact that we have finally. And and I say finally because it is something that customers have been beating us over the head about ever since we publicly announced our intention here. Uh, we are we are releasing VMware Cloud on AWS Outpost to general availability. So if you would like to take some of that VMware Cloud goodness, but mm-hmm. you want it in your data center, well, as of this week, you can do that. You can go buy it, and we'll, we'll we can make that happen. We can work with AWS, get a get a get a rack drop shipped to you, stand it up, get some dark capacity, your own private availabilities. Zone up and running, uh, and then from that point, you manage your on-premises data center literally exactly the same way as you would manage it inside VMware Cloud on AWS. Wow. So
2: for the peering to that, you know, kind of look at some of the the networking aspects. Is that I take an AWS Express handoff, or is that done over like SD WAN as a VPN handoff? Like, how do I how do I connect that in?
1: It's a little bit of both, actually. Um, it is it is identical to the VMware Cloud and AWS uh, configuration. The only thing that's really different, you know, in in a proper VMC deployment, we have a uh, NSX is is the actual hub for all things networking. But NSX has uh, three egress points where it can kind of exit the infrastructure. Right, it could go out over an internet gateway. It could go out over the 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 connected VPC or the VPC that you provide when you deploy the STDC. Or optionally, if you've got a, a VIF connected, we can go over direct connect. Um, Outpost adds a local gateway so that traffic doesn't need to go through any of those AWS managed entities and can instead just, you know, pop right out and talk. So it can plug right into your local infrastructure and we don't have any of, of that kind of WAN stuff. Oh, so bit. I can do
2: a local pop. I'm not gonna have to hairpin back through a managed network, exactly. way, God knows wherever else or whatever. Okay.
1: Yeah, cool. yeah, yeah, but but at the same time, you still have VPC connectivity. So, like, if you want to talk to native services, you can. You know, in that case, you are going over a a, a WAN uh, connection. But you know, it's it, it's all highly managed, so you don't have to think about this stuff. And that's really the advantage. Yeah, Whether six, we're talking the
2: six m- months of meeting with my networking team, I get to avoid. So um,
1: well, unfortunately, there's still quite a bit. Of there's, still BG, the <laughs> there's still BGP. There's still
2: BGP involved. So okay, there's a month of meetings with them, but not six months. So
1: yeah, yeah, it's it, it, and 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 more importantly, once you're off. Operational, like you, you never think about it again. Right. At, at that point, you're just opening tickets and yelling at somebody else to go fix it for you. Yeah, this so is essentially it, still a service. It, it is absolutely a service. Yeah. Right. It's 100 percent VMware managed. Mm-hmm. Uh, if, if Outpost isn't your flavor, we also have uh, VMware Cloud on Dell EMC. Uh, it's essentially the same exact thing, only there the technology is slightly different. Uh, the way that we actually instantiate the pod and and bring up the SDDC a little bit different because we don't have that AWS overlay. AWS provides some infrastructure for being able to touch a rack remotely and and, mm. and manage their their uh, physical servers. That that makes it kind of easier for us. But oh, okay, uh, it no, this is all VMware's problem, right? Like you as a so customer, it's our just SREs
2: just taking the phone calls on this, our people exactly. taking it's. Yeah. Yes. It's it's outposts on the hardware, but you're not having if a drive fails, you're not calling the Amazon. You know, although I assume they can probably deliver a drive pretty quickly, knowing their logistics, but.
1: Yeah, no, all, all of that stuff is just managed on the back end. Uh, we we may need someone to let us in so that we can go swap out a host from time to time. But besides that, like you don't think about any of this stuff, right? You just instantiate it. You you figure out uh, how much you need today, get that up and running, and then in a lot of instances, you know, you can just kind of grow as you need it. Um, so, so there 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 are scale points, like how much you have to buy just to instantiate it, and then you know what you can add and how what you can scale. Uh, but that stuff's always changing. We've got a pretty innovative and Exciting roadmap on that stuff. Give us 18 months, and and it's basically going to be AWS. You know, you'll be able to to really kind of flex it uh, however you want and manage it however your business requires. And and all of this stuff plugs into those tokens we were talking about, right? So you can you can start, you know, in in AWS today, move to VCF using some old servers for you know nine months, and then decide that you you actually want to move into one of these on-premises managed solutions, uh, or you know just keep all of that above and and decide you know you want to use use some of that V. Realize Cloud Universal, which is the entire v Realize suite available through those same you know tokens or, or coupons as you call them. So it's it's a very uh, I, you know, flexible I a, I way. To
2: spend, I need to spend a little on some Wavefront. I need to spend, you know to, to feed the DevOps hipster monitoring needs. I can spend some on hardware.
1: So they have a place to run those containers. Um, this is cool. Yeah. Hey, you want some of that DevSecOps stuff? We got that. We we got that Tanzu man. The Tanzu. Yeah, we gotta
2: we gotta we gotta have a chat with some of our friends, maybe maybe William or or Cormac or someone about that community edition too that I saw just drop. So
0: yeah, yeah,
1: that is exciting. The the other thing that we did uh, on the VMware Cloud Services side is we we are we are baking Tanzu Essentials, which is just TMC Essentials, the ability to deploy a uh, uh, Tanzu instance. Uh, it's come directly into every single VMware Cloud subscription. So if, if you got VMC, you got you a little bit of Tanzu. Now, wow. if you'd like to upgrade into the fully managed, fully capable, can do anything, namespacing, all the various different AVI networking, et cetera, et cetera, uh, you can also just add Tanzu standard as an add-on on top of VMware Cloud. And then at that point, you know, we're managing all of your Kubernetes infrastructure in addition to all of your virtual infrastructure. So we can really kind of crank that knob wherever the customer wants it Yeah. Um, from, from a first-party managed end. And all of that stuff, because the beauty of what we built here, right? Like we've built one common infrastructure. It's just this ubiquitous platform that spans all of those cloud providers I mentioned earlier, and all of this stuff goes to all of them. Right? So it's 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 very much a uh, the future is now type scenario. You know, yeah. and it's it's not just uh, you know. Your your software is patched before the world even knows a bug exists. Uh, it's also like when new software becomes available, uh, you don't have to go and and become an expert on it. You just click a button and say, "I want to add that too."
2: Pete, I think I I think I hear a need for some containers. They they need to be in Singapore for some reason. To the to the, <laughs> the VMC console. <laughs> to the VMC console.
1: Oh, that's yeah. hilarious. Yeah, that's basically it. The other thing that I want to really highlight uh, on kind of the opposite end of the spectrum um, is some of the work that we've been doing in high availability and kind of enabling these, these really global architectures, mm-hmm. uh, We've we've done a lot of work on the stretch cluster multi AZ uh, configuration. Stretch cluster being where we 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 take your vSphere cluster uh, using vSAN stretch clustering technology, and we physically span across three availability zones. You know, yeah. two two primary data, and then we put the witness in a third. And then at that point, even in the event of an entire availability zone failure, right, we maintain the cluster. But what we've done is uh, kind of twofold. One. To make it slightly more affordable and to make this simpler for customers to manage, uh, we bundled 10 petabytes of cross-AZ charges with every single stretch cluster. Uh, So just just to give some perspective here, we've never seen anyone get to 10 terabytes, but we bundled 10 petabytes because we just want to make the point that this isn't something you have to think about. If you you deploy a stretch cluster, you just put your workload on the cluster and the, the, the cluster will manage it from there. Now, one of the things that we struggled with initially um, is we had some customers come to us and say, you know, I really like the AZ availability, but (laughs) starting with six hosts, right? Like that's a lot of, that's a lot of infrastructure. I don't Mm -hmm. need that much infrastructure. Now, the reason we had six hosts, of course, is because uh, our our stretch cluster offer provides an additional nine, right? We we offer a 99.9% 99.99% SLA uh, for those instantiations. And the way that we do that is is vSAN is giving us resiliency both between the AZs as well as within the AZ. So even in the event of an AZ failure, we can sustain a host failure without any data availability issues. So it's just, it's it's a super highly available scenario, but that requires at least six hosts. So what we've recently done is we've introduced entry-level stretch clusters for customers who, they just, they can't justify the cost, right? They, They don't have enough infrastructure and they would traditionally be looking at, you know, a, a, a two or four host single AZ SDDC. And for them, we now have four host stretch clusters. So this is where we have two hosts in AZ1, two hosts in AZ2, and then we put the witness off in the third. Now, with only two hosts in the AZ, we don't have enough infrastructure for us to, to be resilient. We only have a single copy of the data. Mm-hmm. Um, but but the reality is we can be highly available between those AZs, right? So so using vSAN uh, and, and relying on the dual-site mirroring to, to synchronously commit any writes that come in from, from any workload, we can guarantee a 99.9% availability for those entry-level stretch clusters. And here a little bit after VMworld, we're actually going to bring this all the way down to two hosts. So you'll be able to enter VMware Cloud AWS with as little as a two-host infrastructure and still be able to survive an AZ failure. Now, here comes the cherry on top. As if that wasn't cool enough, we've also expanded uh, our Elastic DRS uh, engine so that it is now aware of AZ failure and and multi-host uh, configurations, such that if we were to suffer an AZ failure, let's say you had that four-host cluster, right? Two hosts in AZ1, two hosts in AZ2. Yeah. AZ1 goes offline, hard down. We will add non-billable hosts the surviving az until we get your cluster back to the original host oh account.
2: that is cool That's now like this is, is
1: the cool. This is subsequent to, to capacity, so it's not guaranteed. Uh, yeah, unfortunately, yeah, yeah. I wish we could guarantee it, but AWS just doesn't have that many servers. Sometimes, um, it's it's a bit of a first come first serve solution. I trust our APIs
2: to start being grabbing quickly. So
1: yeah, yeah, yeah the second we detect the failure, we just start scaling up anybody who is impacted by it, and and actually uh, we've extended this very recently to include partial failures. So, uh, let's say same scenario: two hosts in AZ one, two hosts in AZ two, and we lose a host in AZ one. And then our auto remediation engine tries to replace it, but we run into an issue with the infrastructure where we're not able to provision a new host. We'll just add a non-billable host in AZ2, Mm-hmm. getting your cluster back up to four until the infrastructure itself can 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 come back and and resolve those issues. So it, it doesn't necessarily solve the data durability issue, unfortunately, because there, you know, vSAN needs the local capacity in order to ensure that the components are there. Um, but a lot of that is mitigated by some of the new technologies like Delta components and, and that stuff. And uh, we are able to get the compute and memory back to what you paid for. So if you've got a four-host commitment, because that's what you're expecting, right? Uh, that's but you need to support your workload proper, will keep you at four hosts. So it, it makes it a lot easier for customers to come in, particularly at these entry scales, because they can really use the whole cluster, right? They don't have to reserve 50% of their uh, capacity uh, just in case it, it, something bad happens. They can fill it up to, you know, 70%, maybe 80%, trusting that we'll at least get one host in there. We're gonna help you offload some of this pressure. So it's, it's, it's really made it easier for customers to deploy high availability in 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 the AWS infrastructure in particular, yeah, uh, and we're really excited to see what customers do with that now.
0: And you've lowered the point of entry, which is fantastic.
1: Yeah, well, and- yeah. Well, we've had a lot of customers using our two-host single AZ deployment, um, but they were doing that mostly be- for the cost right it's it was cost conscious like this is the cheapest way i can get into the managed service uh the the what these entry level stretch cluster offers are providing is the same cost point right the same available it's the same sla right it's just you're physically sp- stretched between azs so you are protected from a regional or or data center or az well not regional but but an az level failure which you know while the azs themselves don't go down they they, they we do see issues where you know we'll, we'll get a substantial amount of services go offline for a little bit, you know, because of something hiccup, you know, the AZ itself was still online, but the hosts in that AZ were down for 45 minutes or something like that. So this solution just utterly mitigates all of those concerns. It makes it easy. So
2: we went out of time for, and Pete can cut this, but I guess I had three other questions uh, that chain off of your last statement here. Um, Are we looking at local mirroring or is that not probably applicable?
1: So we have talked a little bit about like nested fault domains and things that we might be able to do with some of the new technology that's coming online. Uh, It's not something that we're immediately productizing and or making available. It's more of a a future enhancement. Could we use some of these new uh, uh, features and vSAN in particular to make these even more resilient? Honestly, like you could make the same statement for, for just like every cluster, just using that technology, you know, wherever you can. But it well, would, but
2: the, the other side is if you can just summon another host in five minutes, then yeah. I mean, the, the thing that when you're doing the budget of comparing, you know, and obviously, look at the OPEX, look at all the other costs. But if you're comparing this against what you're doing right now, don't say, oh, I'm going to compare this against a four-hour parts agreement. Look at this against a five-minute parts agreement, which doesn't exist. So that means you're just having to buy one more host always. You're you're getting an N plus one, so to speak, without having to to have the host already paid for because of the speed at which you can replace.
1: Yeah, that's, that's fundamentally one of the things that's the most different. If you're very familiar with on-premises HCI, we don't have a maintenance host. We leverage the the AWS global infrastructure as your maintenance host, right? If we need to do patching, we just pull one in. If something breaks, we just pull one in. You know, so 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 you're not wrong. And the other thing I'll say is, um, if if you'd really like to take a look at this, head on over and check out the total cost of ownership for VMware Cloud. We've got a great uh, through the the VMC Cloud Console portal. Uh, you can go and just request a TCO, and one of our cloud economics will uh, will s- cloud economics. How do you Economist, that word? Cloud Economist. Economist, thank you. Good grief, I can build product but I can't do money. Um <laughs> they will sit down with you and and ask you like, "Oh, what's your power bill?" Okay, "How many admins do you have?" All right, "How much do you pay for your lease?" And they will walk through this line by line and give you a real no BS like, "Okay, well this is how much you pay today to run your IT infrastructure and this is how much it would cost for you to operate in any of our managed services." And I'll tell you, John, we don't ever lose any of those when we go through and we do the full math, it's always cheaper. And it's not even surprising, right? Like you're dealing with VMware, the first party vendor who writes, owns, manages, and knows everything about their software. If we can run
2: our own stuff at, a, at yeah. a better total value cost, then like, what are what are we doing? Like, I mean, it's, it's kind of like, it's kind of like people who run exchange. There's still some weirdos out there who still run their own exchange servers for sovereignty reasons or something, but no one should be under the illusion that running at a comparable nines is cheaper than just getting, yeah, Having Microsoft deal with that for you. So
1: yeah, no, no. Absolutely. That's how it is. What's your third question, John?
2: Uh, in seven update three, which I know your releases are wildly different in terms of how you know, numbering you're 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 beyond that. You know, you're the the enlightened uh demigod or whatever uh PM here. But um we have a system to where if the witness if one fault domain fails and the witness and the, and the witness has a little bit of time, it can basically mm-hmm. say, Why am I holding votes? I'm gonna go chunk my votes to the remaining fault domain. Um, did y'all adopt that availability improvement or does that not matter just because y'all can summon replacements so quickly?
1: No, it, it absolutely matters. Um, it's never mattered. Uh, but the reality is for the past you know four, almost five years of, of operation, uh, anyone who had a stretch cluster, if we were to have a hard AZ failure and then the witness was to fail for any reason, every single VM would power off. Right, just that—that yeah, yeah, yeah. that is the way that the stru- service is structured. Not, to, to be prevent. fair, if
2: you've lost two AZs in a region, like I assume the entire region, something really horrible <laughs> yeah, has happened. Yeah,
1: yeah. Well, but but the problem is, like you—you you don't even need the AZ to fail, right? Because the witness is just running out there as a, a an EC2 instance, so something could yeah, happen yeah. on just on the host that it's running on, and you know, away it goes. So yeah. it was a concern for us, and yes, we are absolutely picking up the 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 new enhancement. Uh, it's not live yet; it's in the next major release when it goes out. Okay. Um, but, but yeah, we will we will take it online and it behaves the same way where, you know, in the event of a complete AZ failure, the 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 surviving hosts use the witness to confirm that they are not partitioned and they are allowed to continue to operate. Uh, and then they promptly remove the witness from the voting pool so that if the witness were to clunk out, those hosts will continue to operate. And so and the I, best I part wanted to is, call this
2: feature voter manipulation, but was shut down very quickly. So, but, uh,
1: <laughs> yeah. can't imagine but, why. Yeah. Yeah.
2: But yeah. no, the, the, uh, uh, the, <laughs> the 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 overarching point here. Is what's cool is you get all these other cool availability things that I can't do in my data center because you're in this magic cloud life and live in with these hosts that just magically appear and you summon by API and you get all the other cool availability improvements that are coming into the product to harden it there. Like just the the hardening that has happened over the past, I don't know, 15 releases or whatever of, of vSAN and vSphere, I guess
1: hundreds of releases of vSphere,
2: you're getting that plus availability things that can only be done in the cloud. This is this is just a cool, a cool operating model.
1: Yeah, man. It's it's a layered approach, right? We start with the base products that you run on premises, customers worldwide depend upon. We put on top of that an orchestration and cloud management tier. And then on top of that, we layer in our support services, our site reliability engineers and the customer success organization. And between those four parties, all focused on keeping your workload online, the likelihood of it going down drops dramatically.
0: Nice. I like it. Well, Glenn, it's, uh, let's see several announcements that you share with us. I'm, I'm going to get some links to some, uh, some of the blog posts that are related to this on the show notes of the podcast. Glenn, any, any sessions? I know people can just search VMC on AWS, but, uh, what sessions are you interested in at VMworld? (laughs) uh,
1: That's a great question. Um, I'm super interested in a lot of the, the, the Tanzu stuff, honestly. Um, the, Uh the, the, that team has been doing a lot of really exciting stuff. We've got some some innovation in there, both uh, how how the various different namespace elements and and the the various Tanzu product portfolio interact with first party. And then, as I mentioned before, uh, some of the stuff that we've done with Avi, uh, I really think that that is going to be the next level of, of Accelerant. Because for, for the customers who have already made this transition, right, they've already offloaded the day to day. Now we're going to them saying, hey, how would you like to just... Just turn on modern applications without stuff.
0: Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, the Tanzu. The Tanzu. Everybody's everybody's here for the Tanzu.
1: Yeah, the Tanzu the, the also uh the, the outpost stuff that's gonna be very exciting. Uh, customer presence equipment. You know, as, a, as an old FlexPod guy, you know, that, that I am I'm forever interested in on-premises data centers. Yeah. yeah. Uh, even even operating in the cloud, I will never get over that. So the VMware Cloud on Dell EMC as well. There, there's just sessions galore covering all that oh, stuff yeah. this week.
0: Yeah, it's going to be a good week. Glenn, thank you so much for joining us again. You're always welcome. Open door policy for Mr. Sizemore. Thanks for joining us. Enjoy the rest of your VMworld 2021. Thank you, Glenn.
2: And I look forward to you giving us uh, a dump of your Rolode of who we can invite from uh, Amazon to give us the deep dive on, uh, on Outpost.
1: We might be able to help you out there.